We at Amazing Stories are thankful for and gracefully accept the donations we receive from our listeners from across the world who count on the unique programming we provide. You too can donate through the link provided in the description section of each episode. Please keep in mind that the continued support from our growing audience helps us fulfill our mission of bringing you a new amazing story every day. Thank you for listening, and we hope you continue to enjoy our stories. Oh, we got these bell pulls in my world. We've usually got something a bit more modern. Yes? We want to see Sir Charles Latcham. Wait there. I noticed that, Lyra. The door's got two heavy locks, bolts, top and bottom. And you see up there? That's a burglar alarm. And there's a large floodlight at each corner of the house. This place will be flooded like a football stadium at night. A football stadium? What's that? Yes? Lyra left something in your car. I don't know a Lyra. I know Lizzie. And who are you? I'm her brother, Mark. You'd better come into my study. In here. Sit down. Is this the object? That's mine! But it isn't yours, Lizzie. Or Lyra. It is. Look. I know it's hers. I've seen her with it. It's too old and valuable to belong to a scruffy little girl. I must say, Lyra, I'm surprised to find you so dishonest. I am dishonest. In that case, I suggest we call the police. No, wait. You don't even know what it is you stole. You're... you're... No, don't spit. (coughs) Oh, sit down, you filthy, nasty little rat. There's something I want even more than this alifiometer. I can't get it myself, so I'll make a deal. What is it? You found a doorway through to another world. One where grown-ups go at their peril. Am I right? Good. The man who made the doorway has a knife, and he's hiding in the Torre dell'Angeli. Bring me the knife, and you can have the alifiometer. I thought so. You're from that world. No, I'm not. But I want that knife. Come to my house without it, and I'll call the police. You see, I know who you are, boy. You're William Parry, aren't you? Your photo's in today's paper. It's rather a good likeness. Everyone's surprised that someone so young could be such a cold-blooded killer. And apparently your mother's missing. There's some speculation that you may also have killed her. What? No. How could I? You're not safe on the streets, William Parry. If you're recognised, people may well take the law into their own hands. Nervously, Lyra and Will hurry back to Chittagatsi and to the square overlooked by the sinister Torri Deli Angeli, whose strange rough carvings seem to twitch as the sun moves across them. So, you really think we should try and get the knife? Yeah, otherwise you can say goodbye to your alethiometer. You saw his house. I bet there's locks on his locks. Yeah, well... I don't like doing something just because he told us to. We don't have much choice. I'm sure Angelica and Paolo's older brother is in the tower. Maybe he owns a knife. Or he's gone to try and get it. Remember when Paolo started talking about him and then Angelica shut him up? Well, we'll find out if it's him in a minute. We can't go in there. No. Hush, Pan. Can't you fly up and look in? I'm not turning into a bird. Yes, you are. You shouldn't force me. 
Now be brave and fly up. Go on. Wish I wasn't your demon. No, you don't. Please, fly as high as you can. Ow! Oh, Pan, come back! Come back down, now! Lyra, are you OK? Yeah. Oh, it hurts when your demon goes away from you. I didn't realise. Oh, did you see anything, Pan? Yes, a man with red hair, dancing. Dancing or fighting? I'd prefer dancing. Come on. He's talking to himself. Not a good sign, is it? Why is he jabbing the air with a knife? He looks mad. Shh. Let's look further up. It's Tulio, though, isn't it? Yeah. He's got his family's red hair. <laughs> Will, Lyra and Pan continue to ascend the cold stone steps that spiral upwards into the gloom. There are seven floors, each with a doorway. Most of the doors hang off their hinges, and displayed on the walls, they can see musical instruments, lutes, sackbuts, vials, alongside rust-perish broadswords, shields and daggers. Moths fill the air. As they get to the top of the tower, a great shaft of sunlight blinds them. Oh, the sun's right in my eyes. Can you see who it is? No, it's too bright. They emerge onto the roof of the tower. Lying helpless in the burning light and bound with ropes lies an old man. He's cut and bruised and bleeding. Did the man with the knife do this? Yeah. Let's get you in the shade. Would you like some water? No, 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 no time for that. Who are you? I am Giacomo Paradisi. I am the bearer. The young man is going to kill me. What's the bearer? I hold the subtle knife on behalf of the gold. Where is the youth? Downstairs. Did he see you? No. He was too busy waving his knife in the air. Uh, trying to cut through. <laughs> he, he, he won't succeed. Oh, watch out, Will! He's behind you! Will turns just as Tulio, a gaunt-sweating youth, arrives on the roof. Momentarily blinded by the intense glare, he jabs the air with his knife. Will punches Tulio on the side of his head to attract his attention. This knife is mine! You'll never take it off me, little boy. Be careful, Will. The object of fighting I learned at school is to hurt someone more than they're hurting you. <laughs> You're not going to hurt me. Uh, be careful. The knife is more dangerous than you know, boy. What do you mean? Will oh. manages to hurl Tulio onto his back and wind him. But Tulio raises his knees and pushes himself along the floor, scuttling back against the parapet. He continues to wave the knife in front of him. Will, wrap this rope right around your hand. It'll protect it from the blade. Take the knife. Take it, why don't you? Okay. No! Tulio lashes out. Yeah. The knife seems to pass straight through Will's hand. Oh. Will, he's hurt oh. you. Where's this blood coming from? Look out, Will! Will, angered by the pain, runs full tilt at Tulio, oh. sending him reeling backwards and knocking the knife from his grip. Tulio's sent sprawling down the stone steps. Where's the knife? It's sliding towards the guttering. Stop it, stand on the handle! Got it. It's over. Your hand! Will! Ah! I... Oh, Will! I... He, he's all right. This is a natural response. Let's help him to his feet and take him downstairs to my study. Sit down, Will. You just passed out for a moment. I've never fainted in my life before. Lyra, undo the rope. Careful. Ah! Oh! 
Your little finger. And the next finger. They've been cut clean through. Just look at them on the floor. Curled up like a bloody quotation mark. Yeah. Stop that. Mr. Paradisi's got some medicine. <laughs> Drink this. It's plum wine. <coughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> In my world, this is drunk at Christmas. <coughs> Not after nasty accidents. Oh! Mr. Oh. Paradisi, can you heal him? Well, we guildsmen have medicines for everything. Uh, this ointment is precious and difficult to obtain. Antiseptic cream? I could have bought that from any chemist shop in Oxford. Will, Mr. Paradisi's doing his best. And I'm doing my best bleeding. Lyra, quick, come and sit down in the square. Oh, it's Julio. He's shaking and trying to keep something from his face. And he's counting. He's counting the stones on the wall. The spectres have got him. Look, there, there's Angelica and Paolo. Yes, I know. I thought the ointment might help more than it has. You obviously haven't read the label. Will, he's trying to help. I wish I got some blood moss. Oh. Yeah, uh, I have much experience at tying tourniquets. That's hardly a recommendation. Take the knife. No. You are the bearer now. I thought you said you was. The knife knows when to leave one hand and settle in another. Look. I lost the same fingers. But he didn't come to get the knife for himself. He can't be the bearer or anything. He's looking for his father. I only came because a man stole something of Lyra's and he wants the knife in exchange for it. I know him. Once he has the knife, he will betray you. You must never let him have it. Now, pull the knife towards you. It belongs to you. You have no choice but to take it. Uh... It's nothing special. Look closer. Tell me what you see. Double-sided blade. Dull metal. A short cross piece of the same metal. And a handle. Inlaid rosewood. It has gold wires forming an angel. Wings folded one side. Wings raised on the other. And the blade has swirls of colours that seem to live just under the surface. Like... Shadow colours. The two edges are different. One is clear, bright steel and sharp. The other edge seems just as keen, but silver. This edge will cut through everything. Lay the blade against this silver spoon. Wow! And with the other edge, you can cut an opening out of this world altogether. I have little time left, but I must teach you. Stand up. Raise up the knife. No, I don't want to. You have no choice. Hold the knife out ahead of you. It's not only the knife that has to cut, it's your own mind. Think about the knife tip. Feel with it gently. You're looking for a gap invisible to sight. But the knife tip will find it. Will, exhausted, distressed, in terrible pain and weak with loss of blood, waves the blade in the air. 
Then he slowly lays the knife on the floor. His head is bowed and he crouches down, hugging his wounded hand. He then begins to cry as though he were alone, unwatched. Quietly, Pan transforms himself into a wolfhound. He begins to lick Will's wounded hand, laying his head on his knee, looking directly into his eyes. Will has been touched by Lyra's soul. I'll try again. Tell me what I have to do. Loosen your fingers. Place your mind on the tip. I felt something, like a snag in the air. Good. This time, when you feel it, slide the knife in and make a cut. Oh, but my arm's aching. Support it with the other one. Now try. Yes! Oh. Ah. Oxford, over a cemetery, looking back towards the city. Oh, there's people. I think it's a funeral. That's a bit grim. It's how I feel. Now you must learn to close it. Feel for the edge with your other hand. Touch delicately. Then pinch it together. I feel like I'm playing air castanets. What am I doing wrong? Perhaps if you don't try to shut out the pain. <laughs> shut it out? Yeah. If you feel everything, you can feel the edges. It's worked. I don't know why, but I thought it might. Here's the leather and horn sheath. You must always keep the knife in here and buckle it tight. Any sideways movement and the blade will cut straight through. There. My predecessors in the Guild of the Taridelli Angeni became curious about the bonds that held matter together, and we let the spectres in. There are several windows into other worlds because other knife-bearers were callous. However, I left the window under the hornbeam trees open to tempt the man you spoke of, hoping he would fall victim to the spectres. Never let him have the knife. We won't. The bearer should not be a child, and I am sorry that you now have the responsibility. But go. Keep the knife secret, and never use it for a base purpose. I shall die soon, because I know where there are poisons. I won't wait for the spectres. Thank you, Mr. Paradisi. I don't like leaving him to die. That seems horrible. He's a poor, injured old man. Better than having your life sucked out by a spectre. He's really got no choice. How come he wasn't being attacked by them before? Perhaps it was the antiseptic ointment he thought was so precious. I don't know. So what do we do now? We'll steal the alethiometer. We can use this knife to cut a window into Sir Charles's house and take it out of his cabinet. Only, I'm tired, I'm thirsty, <laughs> I've lost two of my fingers, and I ought to change my clothes. Good job I didn't cut gloves, eh? Don't, Will. Let's get back to the flat. We best keep watch for the other children. Why? They're the least of our problems. Maybe. Lyra and Will return to the flat above the cafe. They both pack their few belongings. Somehow, they know they won't be going back there. Will and Lyra now make their way through a moonlit Chittagatsi. 
frequently stopping to slice windows into Will's Oxford to check their position. He cuts a window close to a man eating a takeaway and talking on his mobile. Lyra reaches through and grabs a chip. We're only a short way from Sir Charles's house. The bandage is soaked again. I know. Come on. And the cat's following. Okay, I'll try cutting through here. We're inside Sir Charles's rhododendrons. Let's climb through. There's no lights on in the house. But the garden's floodlit. We'd never cross it unseen. Can we get a bit closer without breaking cover? Yeah. The cat's still following. OK, I'll leave you here on lookout. I'm going back into Chittagatsi. You're not going to close this window up? No, because I'll come back for you once I've cut into Sir Charles's study and taken the alethiometer. All right? Yeah. Me and Pan will both look out. See, he's an owl. He's useful, isn't he? Let me work out how many steps it will take to the study and the direction. Right. Now I'll get back to Titagatsi. Lyra! What? There's a cart coming. Oh, it's Sir Charles. And someone's with him. Pan, go through the bushes and take a closer look. Don't go too far. Don't worry, I won't. My dear. Thank you, Charles. <gasps> Mrs. Coulter! <laughs> and that golden monkey! Will was right. Demon can mean evil. Oh, come on, we must warn Will. No, wrong direction. Maybe if I do a 90 degree turn. Great! Sir Charles's study. Yep, I can just about manage to reach it. The lithiometer's missing. There's a space it was in. I'll have to go through into the room. He's moved it. He can't have guessed we'd used the knife. Anything on the desk? No. Am I imagining that sound? No! Better get back. The bad news is, the alethiometer's not there. I'm going to see if he put it back in the cabinet. He may have been showing it off. It's worse. She's with him. My mother, Mrs Coulter. If she sees me, I'm dead. And I remembered. He's Lord Boyle from my world. He knew who I was all along. Look, if they come through the door, will they notice this window? No, it's at the wrong angle, as long as we're quiet. It'll be a bit like watching television, except we're in the screen. What's television? Shh, tell you later. Be very quiet. May I offer you a glass of Tokai, Marissa? Thank you, Charles. I haven't tasted Tokai for many years. Uh, your good health. Now, tell me what you want. I want to find Lyra. Why? She's a repellent brat. <laughs> She's my daughter. Where is she? First, tell me something. What is Azriel up to? Gathering an army to complete the war that was started in heaven eons ago. How many evil. But he seems to have very modern powers. He found a way of blasting open the barrier between our world and others. That must resonate in this world, too. What is this world, and why did you bring me here? Oh, it's one of millions. 
There are openings between them, but they're not easily found and the places they open into have shifted. Previously, one world acted as a crossroads and all the doorways opened into that. Chittagetse. Chittagetse? The crossroads. Adults are attacked by a type of parasite, a spectre. But they don't touch children. This difference between children and adults, it's the heart of everything. It contains the mystery of dust. I must find Lyra. She has the answer. Well, she doesn't have manners. But a subtle knife will bring her to me. And once she's given me what I want, you can have her. Now, tell me about your strange bodyguard, Marissa. <laughs> They've had their demons removed. They fight till they're torn apart. Well, this world would call them zombies, then. I wonder if you can spare one. I'd like to see if the spectres attack. If they don't, we might be able to travel to Chitigetse after all. If these spectres have needs and desires, I can control them. I'm sure you could, Marissa. Have some more wine. <laughs> what exactly are you doing in this world, Charles? Oh, I found myself here a long time ago. Being part of the Council of State at home made it easy to see where the power lay. And I became a spy. The profound disturbance in the Earth's magnetic field, Asriel's work, has alarmed the security services. Every nation that does research into fundamental physics is turning to its scientists to discover what is happening. They suspect, correctly, that it has something to do with other worlds. There is also research into dust. So they know about it? Yes. <laughs> and a man who disappeared 10, 11 years ago in the north knew the location of a doorway between the worlds. When this new disturbance began, the security services went looking for him. He's talking about my father, Lyra. There's something else moving in the room. It's my mother's demon, a golden monkey. He can sense us. I'm very curious about this alethiometer. Tell me how it works. I've kept it locked away in case your daughter and her criminal friend decided to try to steal it back. Lyra. Find stones and throw them at the study so they look away. I'll grab the alethiometer, then get back into Chitigati and wait for me. All right. I saw the child using it in a museum. I recognised her immediately. When I came across her a second time, I stole it. <laughs> What's that? Oh, for goodness sake, it's probably just some children. <laughs> yes, got it. One nil to Will Parry. Close the window. Almost. Oh, it's got sharp teeth. Take that. Perhaps I shouldn't have hit him with the alethiometer. But one more second and that nasty little beast would have been through. That demon is nothing like Pan. It's a devil. Right. Let's get back to Sir Charles's front garden again. Wish I wasn't so tired. Lyra? Lyra! Where's she got to? Sir Charles has come out of the house and now stands on the exquisite lawn. He removes the safety catch from his gun and levels it at the bushes. He's on the point of firing when the cat that will be friended jumps from the shrubbery, growling and shrieking. The golden monkey leaps at its face. Sir Charles Latram fires several shots, but his marksmanship is weakened by wine. The monkey screams and jumps back into Mrs. Coulter's arms. Lyra and Pan scramble through the rhododendrons to reach the window. Will's already there. You are right? Quick, come to the window. He's still waving that gun about. 
saved us. She's done what a good demon would have. We rescued her and she rescued us. Now she's in her own world again, away from those stone-throwing kids. We'll be safer now we've got the alethiometer back. We'll be safer away from the flat. The children won't know where we are. Yeah. How about that big house there? Good idea, Pam. At the mouth of the Yenisee River, Lee Scoresby puts his balloon and equipment into storage and then hires a boat. Jumping juniper. This swollen river's full of garbage. Current's swift, too. It's going to be a pretty unpleasant journey to Grumman's tribe. Now I know I didn't become a river pilot. Being an aeronaut smells a whole lot sweeter. We've flown over this territory, so at least it's familiar. Look at these mosquitoes. They're like a blood-sucking fog. Better be generous with the Jemson weed ointment. I hope Grumman's adopted tribe built their village high. I hope they're amenable to strangers. Dr. Grumman, my name's Lee Scoresby from the country of Texas, and I'm an aeronaut. The winds have blown you a long way from your homeland. Let's sit in this agreeable light and talk out here. I have coffee, if you'd care to share it. Most kind, sir. You see, Dr. Grumman, I've been hearing about you all along the Arctic seaboard. But I'm not here out of curiosity. Oh, no. I'm worried about a child, Lyra Balakwa. I happen to think she's important, and so do the witches. My true name is John Parry, and I brought you here. You mean, you sort of fluence me? Yes. Hot hickory. So I had no independence of mind. I'm a shaman. I guess that's gonna have to do by way of explanation. I wasn't born in this world. Lord Asriel isn't the first to travel between worlds, though he's the first to open the way so spectacularly. How'd you end up here? I was a soldier and then an explorer. Twelve years ago, I accompanied an expedition north. I was looking for something I'd heard about from old legends, a rent in the fabric of the world. Three of us stumbled through this doorway without ever seeing it. And this new world was dangerous. Spectres haunted it, and my companions fell victim to their attacks. After a little desperate searching, I found an opening through into this world. As soon as I set foot here, my osprey demon, Sayan Kater, appeared. I can't imagine my amazement, my astonishment, my absolute delight at learning that part of my own nature was female and bird-formed and beautiful. I was astonished. In this world, I had a demon. Are you a married man, Mr. Scosby? No, my style of life isn't particularly suited to that estate. I was. I loved my wife dearly, as I loved my infant son. I missed them both. But my work absorbed me. Then I was initiated into the skull cult, and I came to know about dust. I've heard something about it myself. Because I know about dust, I know what Lord Asriel is doing and why. 
I summoned you because I have to help him. The task he's undertaking is the greatest in human history. Yes. Well, that seems to be the informed opinion. I have one great effort left in me, and I know of something Lord Asriel needs if he's to win. And this is through your wanderings through the spirit world? Yes. I was intrigued by the world where specters fed on human consciousness. Uh, glad to say I never knew such a world existed. I found the philosophers of the Torre degli Angeli in Chittagazzi had created a tool for their own undoing. The subtle knife. It had let the specters into their world. I know where it is, how to recognize the bearer, and what he must do in Lord Asriel's cause. I'm asking you to take me to him. I won't return. And you'll need all your craft, courage, and luck if you want to see your country again. It's the world I told you about, the first I stumbled into, and it's dangerous. Swear you'll get Lyra under the protection of this subtle knife, and I'll fly you anywhere. Swear by the love of your wife. I'll gladly swear by that. But the bearer of the subtle knife has his own task to do. And it may put Lyra in even greater danger. Maybe. But if there's any chance of safety, I want her to have it. You have my word. Lee Scoresby and Stanislaw Grumman make the return journey to the mouth of the Yenisei River. As they approach, they see the port swarming with soldiers. The Imperial Guard of Muscovy. The fiercest and best equipped army in the world and under direct command of the Magisterium. Somewhat uneasy, Lee Scoresby and Stanislaw Grumman go ashore. Lee goes straight to the stores to reclaim his balloon and equipment. I'm returning to your vessel, sir. Any idea what's going on? The soldiers are going north into the new world to fight. This is the advance guard. I see. I thought they looked a little excited. Now, what about my balloon? Requisitioned. They're collecting it this afternoon. I think you'll find they're not. Oh? See this ring? Oh, yes, uh, the Magisterium. So we'll have the balloon right now. Set some men to load it with food, water, and ballast. I'll get the gas bag filled from the wharf tanks. Okay, Doctor, climb aboard. Mr. Scoresby, can I ask where you got that ring? Off a dead man's finger. Suppose you created this fine wind? Yes, I did. Okay, gas bag's full. <clears throat> Let me just disengage the pump. Hold on, here we go. Ah, oh, it feels so much better to be in the air. Just in time, here come the soldiers. Back in the world of Chittagatsi, Will and Lyra have stayed the night in a mansion even bigger than Sir Charles Latram's enormous house. They both wake early with a distinct sense of unease. What time do you think it is? About six. Oh, Will, he's still bleeding. Afraid so. It's going to take some good biological washing powder to get the blood out of the bed sheets. Hope they have that here. I've made toast. Let's eat here. It overlooks the city. We can keep watch. There's as much danger here as there is in my world. And mine. Will, Tulio was attacked by the spectres. 
I saw it from the tower. What did it look like? Well, he started counting the stones on the wall, and then he lost interest and stopped. The spectres may come from my world. Maybe we just call them something different. And Angelica saw me, and she knows we've got the knife. She'll tell the other kids. She blames us for her brother's death. We had to fight him. He'd been torturing the old man. He would have killed us all. Yeah. I think spectres eat people's demons. But children have demons too. There must be a difference. You killed my brother! Oh no! Sounded like a gun. Car window. We can get away easy. Yeah? And where will we be? In Oxford, a few yards from Sir Charles' house, in broad daylight. I can't just cut through anywhere. Come on, let's head upstairs. We won't be able to make a run for it. There's too many of them. What's the door? It's like they're a single mass. Well, they're coming up after us. Scared of cats. How about if I'm a leopard? Try it, Pam, but I don't think anything will scare them off. We can't do any harm. <laughs> They're climbing up the ivy. Push them back. Oh, quick. It's the boy with a gun. You're going to die. There's one out of ammunition. Come on, then. Fight me. Bang, bang. You're dead. Will, just push him off. <laughs> and Lyra hears a familiar rustling sound above them. She leans out of the window to get a good look at the sky. A flock of witches, led by Serafina Pekela and Kaiser, her snow goose demon, circle the domed roof. Get back inside, Lyra! The witches take arrows from their quivers and begin shooting them among the children, not to injure but to scare. It works. Serafina comes to hover just outside the window. Witches? Those are witches, aren't they? Yeah, they're from my world. Greetings, Lyra. We can't land. The place is full of spectres. What should we do? There's more trouble coming. We must make for the forest. Who is the boy? He's my friend, Will. Will, this is Serafina Pekla. And the snow goose is her demon, Kaiser. Will, why are the spectres avoiding you? I didn't know they were. I can't see them. Perhaps it's the knife. Serafina lifts Lyra through the window and onto her branch of cloud pine. And the witch Yuta does the same for Will. They fly off over the lawn, which is now spiked with arrows. Will feels exhausted. Blood continues to drip from his injured hand. Back in Will's Oxford, Dr. Malone and her colleague, Dr. Payne, are about to be given an offer. One of them won't be able to refuse. <laughs> A child from another world? Oh, Marion doesn't make sense. Remember your skulls? She saw some in the Pitt Rivers Museum and her compass thing told her they were much older than the label said and there were shadows on them. What are you saying? Shadow particles have been around since the Big Bang. Then something happened 30 or 40,000 years ago. It involved evolution. I think we became conscious around then only because we started to attract shadow particles. Why should it happen suddenly? Oliver, I'm only speculating. And what about this policeman? How does he come into all this? He said his name was Walters, from the Special Branch. Special Branch? Well, that's terrorism, subversion, intelligence. Why did he come here? The government fund us. He came because of the girl. Oh? He was looking for a boy of about the same age who's supposed to have killed someone. They'd been seen together. 
But this Walters also knew about our research. How? We, we haven't published any papers yet. Yes? Yeah, fine. We've got a visitor on the way up, sir. Somebody or other. Look, Mary, they've offered me the job in Geneva, so I can't afford to get involved. Dr. Payne, Dr. Malone, my name is Charles Lettrell. Please, come in. What can we do for you? You're about to submit a funding application. How do you know that? Well, I used to be a civil servant concerned in directing scientific policy. I still have my contacts in the field. May I sit down? Please. Thank you. Ah, I asked to see some of your work. I was intrigued. Does that mean we'll be successful? No. Then why have you come? I think your work ought to continue. Would you let me make informal representations on your behalf? Yes, of course. What would we have to do? Uh, there is a direction I'd like you to take. Wait a minute. The course of this research is a matter for us. In that case... Uh, Mary, there's no harm in listening. You're off to Geneva. Perhaps. Uh, Sir Charles, please, sit down. I'd like you to concentrate your studies on the manipulation of consciousness. You could take the many worlds hypothesis a good deal further, and you'd attract defence funding if you did. Here's my card. My mobile number's on it. I... I... but... Goodbye. I... Mary, you can't turn down offers like that. They want to find new ways of killing people by manipulating consciousness. I'm not getting mixed up in that, Oliver. And what does it matter to you, anyway? You've just got yourself a shiny new job. <laughs> Nothing signed? Then I'd be sorry to leave here. What are you saying? Basically, if you don't get in touch with him, I will. I get it. You promise to do as this dodgy Sir Charles says, and I leave because I think it's unethical. Horribly immoral, in fact. So you become director with a bigger budget, lots of nice new machines, and a half a dozen more PhDs under you. Right, Oliver, you go ahead. I'm off. It stinks, and you stink too. At nine o'clock that evening, Dr. Mary Malone returns to the college building that houses the Dark Matter Research Laboratory. She has spent what she hopes was a productive afternoon creating a new software program to speak directly to the shadow particles. As she walks through the familiar revolving doors, she realizes that things have changed. Now there's a bulky-looking man in an unfamiliar uniform sitting behind the reception desk. Where are you going? I work here. Who are you? Security. Do you have a name? Mr. Tubbs. When I left this building this afternoon, Mr. Tubbs, there was only a porter on duty. Who appointed you? An official. Here's my ID. Where's yours? Will this do? What is it? It's the card I used to operate the barrier in the car park. OK. So, uh, why are you here at this time of night? I've got an experiment running. I have to periodically check the computer. Yeah, well... Nobody said, but yeah, up you go. You've got an honest face. Thank you. Which is more than can be said for you. Dr. Malone hurries up the stairs. A desk has been cleared. 
Her belongings sit in two cardboard boxes, and she notices that Dr. Payne seems to have taken her mug. Shrugging off her annoyance, she takes out the notepad she's filled with a new software program. I hope this works. I'll have to make it work. Seems like this is the only chance I'll get. Hello? Shadows? Oh, I'm not sure what I'm doing. Nothing? Nothing. Right. I'm trying to do with words what I've done before with a state of mind. I hope it works. Ask a question. Oh, I... Yes. Are you what we call shadow particles? Yes. Are you Lyra's dust? Yes. And is that dark matter? Yes. Ask more questions. The mind answering these questions isn't human, is it? No. But humans have always known us. Us? Innumerable beings. What are you? Angels. St. Augustine said, Angel is the name of their office, not of their nature. The name of their nature is spirit. And shadow matter is what we call spirit. From what we are, spirit. From what we do, matter. Matter and spirit are one. And did you intervene in human evolution? Yes. Why? Vengeance. Vengeance for... Oh, I see. Rebel angels. After the war in heaven, Satan in the Garden of Eden. But it isn't true, is it? Find the girl and the boy. Waste no more time. You must be the serpent. I must be the serpent? Go to a road called Sunderland Avenue. There, find a tent. Deceive the guardian and go through. The spectres will not touch you. Spectres? The last thing you must do in this world is prevent the enemies from taking control. Destroy the equipment. Do it now, and then go at once. Right. Fine. Surprising what damage a good portrait can inflict. Right. I'll take my papers. And I'm going to reclaim my I Ching poster. Oliver can find something more fitting, like a picture of, I don't know, uh, some tanks. And I'll have my mug back. Thank you very much. This is it. Sunderland Avenue. Thank goodness I know how to pack a mean rucksack. Okay. That workman's tent must be it. No sign of a guardian. So, Mary, are you boldly going where... Could I ask you where you're boldly going, miss? Oh, hello, officer. I want to go into the tent. I've got orders not to let anyone near it. I'm glad they've got the place protected, but I'm from the Department of Physical Sciences. Sir Charles Latram asked me to make a preliminary survey. My name's Dr. Olive Payne. Dr. Olive Payne, right. Here's some ID. Let's hope the 15 minutes spent sticking and cutting on my kitchen table wasn't wasted. 
What a creative afternoon I've had. That seems an order, Dr. Payne. I'd have had to ask you to step away if you were that Dr. Malone. She's a one by the sound of it. And Irish, apparently. Some kind of a pothole in there, I expect. Probably. Good luck, then. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Here goes. Ooh, there's nothing here. It's empty. Oh, a hole in the air. I never expected. I never could have guessed that. Oh, I can hear the sea. I feel as if I'm off on holiday. Okay, Mary Malone, through you go. The witches have flown Will and Lyra to safety deep inside the forest. They've been walking for several hours. Will's energies are almost spent. He staggers. His face is ashen. I must have a drink. I'm parched. Looks like the witches are stopping here making food. I'm just going to flop down and close my eyes. Pan? Yes? My hand's bleeding quite badly. I'm frightened. Lyra thinks you're the bravest fighter she ever saw. As brave as Yorick Bjornesson. Lyra's braver than me. She's the best friend I ever had. Will, eat these leaves before you have any other food. They may stop the bleeding. <coughs> Are you all right? They're rather bitter. Yeah. They catch in your throat like vinegar. Hello, Will. <coughs> and Lyra. I am Lena. I fetched you some roast fowl seasoned with lemon. I also found blueberries below the scree. There. Thank you. Thanks. Did Serafina tell you? We saw a balloon not long ago. Mr. Scoresby's? We're not sure. There were two men in it, and a storm gathering behind them. Oh, Will. I hope it's him. I never said goodbye, and he was so kind. Hello, Will, Lyra. Hello, Utah. Thank you for flying me here. Lee Scoresby has gone to find Stanislaw Grumman. Why did he do that? He thought Dr. Grumman knew where he could find an object that protected the owner from every threat. He wanted it for you. Really? Sisters, let's talk away from the children. Yuta, you mustn't think of Dr. Grumman. You brought me here so I wouldn't kill Grumman in our world. This isn't our world. We still live by our world's code, Yuta, and you live by my rule. Yes, sister. Yuta. You've had other lovers since you were rejected by Stanislaw Grumman. None have taken his place in my heart. None. Cliffgast! Sisters, it's Queen Rutascardi. She's being attacked. Arm yourselves. Sisters, fly up. Two must stay and guard the children. The witches fly up, loosing their arrows. There's a drizzle of blood as the arrows find their mark. Then, without warning, one of the cliff gusts falls from the sky, landing near the children. It rises menacingly onto its taloned feet and swaggers towards them, exhaling great hot gouts of putrid breath, chuckling, clapping its wings in horrible anticipation, its yellow jagged teeth sliding clear of its heavy lips. Lyra! Move! You're in the line of fire! Watch out! Here, let me! Will takes his knife carefully from its sheath, walks up to the grimacing beast and wipes the blade through its thick leathery neck. Above them, among the flights of arrows, the cliff gusts can be heard fleeing in disarray. The witches return to the ground, Ruta Scardi among them. You 
took its head off as easy as flicking a flower off its stalk. Who killed this creature? I did. You gave it the death it deserved. There are thousands like it breathing like flies. This child is Lyra, but who is the boy warrior? This is Will, Lyra's friend. Serafina Pekela, I've learned so much. All the old things are changing or dying. Oh, I'm so hungry. Thank you, Lena. Did you see Lord Azriel, Rutuskadi? Mm. Yes. It wasn't easy, but I made myself invisible and found my way to his inmost chamber when he was preparing to sleep. He's invited us to join his army against the authority. I wish with all my heart that I could pledge our support there and then. I have seen so many hideous cruelties and horrors dealt out in the authority's name. But I knew I must consult you first. But how did the gas find you? I left Lord Azra's fortress flying invisible. When a great wind rose and hurled me high into the mountains, I took refuge on the clifftop. I've remained invisible knowing the kind of creatures who inhabit those regions. But it seems I'd stumble on the nesting place of the oldest cliff cast. I heard him say that the greatest battle is coming, days of plenty for every ghast. Then he said that Lord Azrael would be defeated without Esheter. What is Esheter? The word means God destroyer. I had never heard of Esheter before, so I tried creeping closer because they started whispering. But I couldn't stay invisible, and the young ghast followed me back here to this vault. Lord Azrael needs us on his side, and he needs to know about Esheter. Our task is to help Lyra, and her task is to guide Will to his father. We must stay with the children. If you have pledged this... Yes, sisters, we must talk. Lyra, I need to lie down. I feel weak. My hand hurts worse than when it first happened. Let's lie by the fire. They won't notice. It seems they've got lots to talk about. And they're sort of intense, aren't they? And this boy? Who is he? What world does he come from? From one we haven't visited. I don't know why he is important. And sister, we tried to heal his wounds, but we failed. Mm. He has the same extraordinary soul as Lord Azrael. Have you looked into his eyes? I haven't dared. He's too powerful. And the girl, Lyra. What of the part she's supposed to play? Surely it was more than leading the boy to his father. That's what she must do now. And later, yes, she will put an end to destiny. Sister, there are lights gliding towards the children. Collected around the children as they sleep are beings of light, their wings interpenetrating, making a circle of radiance. It is a holy moment. They bend their heads and gaze down with such deep concentration and gentle intent. They raise their hands and make a benediction, and the children stir a little. The angels slowly rise and circle them, leaving traces in the air like distant stars. Were they like the creatures you saw, Rutaskadi? Bigger, I think, but the same kind. They have no flesh. All they are is light. Their senses must be so different from ours. These children have been blessed by them. Oh, or the angels came to be blessed by the children. 
Serafina Pekla, I'm leaving to call the Witches of the South together. When we meet again, it will be wartime. We must ally ourselves to Lord Azrael. Go well, my dear. Go well, sister. That same evening, Lee Scoresby and Stanislaw Grumman looked down at the new world they've entered. It's a strange world down there, Dr. Grumman. Yeah. Looks as if the entire population consists of children and columns of mist. What the hell is it? Spectres. Spectres? What do they do exactly? As vampires feast on blood, spectres feast on the conscious and informed interest in the world. Children are less attractive to them. If you want to put an end to cruelty and injustice, you must take me further on. Seems to me you fight cruelty where you find it, and the place you give help is where you see it's needed. Still, I guess you have uncommon knowledge and can see what might be called the bigger picture. But then, I was told shamans had the gift of flight, and I believed it. But I am flying. And so you are. <laughs> and so you are. This journey is the greatest wisdom I know. My sole purpose now is to find the bearer of the subtle knife and tell him what he must do. And that includes protecting Lyra. It will protect all of us. Gentlemen, excuse me for interrupting, but we have company. Where? Zeppelins at ten to midnight. Enemies? Yeah. The Magisterium have realized I killed one of their own and used his ring. I'll jettison some ballast. Meanwhile, if you could summon a stiffer breeze, Dr. Grumman, mm. I'd like to make those distant foothills by nightfall. Okay, we have more unwelcome company. Seems like we're drawing a congregation. Looks like a squadron. Well, there's no hiding out here. Dr. Grumman's in a train, so we're likely to see results any time now. Dr. Grumman concentrates his gaze into the distance. A blisteringly white jag of lightning strikes at the nearest zeppelin, igniting its silvery skin before the whole craft starts to plummet, sending a cloud of black smoke spiraling upwards into the path of the remaining zeppelins. A direct hit! Dr. Grumman, did you do this? Yes. I'm traveling with a lightning marksman. <laughs> Your weapon's a dime sight more powerful than my Winchester. Right, Dr. Grumman, I'm gonna concentrate on landing. Sit tight, hold on, and be prepared to jump clear if I tell you. I trust you, Mr. Scosby. You okay, Hester? Let me button you into my coat. Oh, thanks, Lee. I hate to be jostled. Ready? Here we go! Well, the bag put up a good fight. My arms are aching. But I never expected a welcoming campfire when I was through. This done by magic too, Dr. Grumman? No. They have Boy Scouts in your world. <laughs> Can't say I've heard of them if they do. Their motto is, be prepared. I never travel without a box of matches. <laughs> They've sent up a flare. Sorry, but we'd best put out the fire. We're in for a busy night, Dr. Grumman. And there's a busy day to come. We must leave the forest. The Magisterium's about to set fire to it. How? 
You can't burn a wet forest. They have an engine that throws out naphtha, blended with potash. It ignites on contact with water. The forest will catch quickly. It's goodbye to my balloon. First time I've traveled anywhere without it since I was 14. I guess you're no longer an aeronaut, Lee. They'll be waiting to see where we leave the forest. As the forest catches fire, animals and birds, suddenly alert to the danger, start to screech and call. The creatures shed their fear of each other. Prey and predator run side by side away from the fire, only to hear fresh flames start up ahead of them. <coughs> Look! There's a narrow defile ahead in a dry riverbed. A zeppelin descends fast and hovers just above the ground. From a cabin door, a stream of blue-uniformed men jump down and begin to climb up the hillside towards them. They're after me, Mr. Scorsby. Give me the rifle and surrender yourself. You'll be a prisoner of war. Get moving. You have a mission to complete. I'll hold them off. I'm sorry, Mr. Scorsby. I had no strength to bring the last zeppelin down. Just tell me, is this going to help Lyra or harm her? Help her! You won't forget your oath? No. I couldn't love that child more if she were my own. If you break your oath, whatever remains of me will pursue whatever remains of you. You have my word. Then go well. It's us against the bad guys, Hester. Yeah. Let's hope good triumphs. Aim straight. I don't like taking lives, Hester. Ours or theirs. It's theirs or Lyra's. Look to the left, boy. You're wounded. Am I? Scalp wound. Did I get him? Too busy ducking. Reload whilst you can, boy. Lee Scoresby rolls back behind the boulder, reloads his Winchester, hauls himself back into position and takes aim. But there's a sudden burst of enemy gunfire and a bullet hits Lee in the shoulder. Damn, these men are like me. It makes no sense. Do it anyway. Lee Scoresby is bleeding to death. He feels something so rare. Hester's face pressed to his own and wet with tears. This is my fault. Why is that? I told you to take the quiet man's ring. You think I ever did what you told me? Another bullet finds him, hitting like a red-hot poker along his skull. Not long now, Hester. Hester is lying low now, and her beautiful gold-brown eyes are growing dull. You're still beautiful. The witch, Lee. She gave you a flower. Fetch it from my breast pocket. Here, Lee. Can you close your fist over it? Yeah. Seraphina Pecola, help me. Help me. Uh, Esther, don't you go before I do. I couldn't abide to be anywhere away from you for a single second. There's one man left and he's making for the Zeppelin. I can't shoot a man in the back. Shame to die with one bullet left, though. So he takes aim with his last bullet at the Zeppelin itself. And the bullet must be red hot, for the gas suddenly billows into an orange fireball. And the men, creeping away, the remnant of the guard, are all engulfed. We held up. We're helping Lara. Then she presses her little proud broken self against his face, as close as she can get. And then they die. Seraphina.
Lee Scoresby needs me. Remember, witches, you must guard the children. None of you must leave them. Oh, Mr Scoresby? But where? Is he near? Well, Lyra, I can see someone behind us. I'll go closer and look. My snow-bunting demon has excellent eyesight and there are plenty of witches left to guard you. Yeah, we'll be okay, Lena. But be careful. Those spectres are horrible. Don't worry, Lyra. I'll make myself invisible. We'll keep moving. You all right, Will? Yes, thanks. Lena and her demon fly towards a lake of clear blue water. Pitched on the bank are two expensive-looking tents. An immaculately dressed man and woman sit on collapsible steel and canvas chairs. Both exude wealth and power. Lena lands on a rock, just within earshot. Her snow-bunting demon hops at the edge of the furthest tent. You haven't told me, Marissa, how you command the spectres. It's simple. They know I can lead them to all the victims they desire. Uh, <laughs> and to think a whole world trembles in their power. Yes, amusing, isn't it? Now, Charles, tell me why you're pursuing the boy. He has... Uh, something I want. Whatever it is, I've no intention of depriving you of it. I only want the girl. I could even get whatever it is for you. Now, Marissa, my darling. <laughs> Tell me, and you shall have it. Ah, it's the subtle knife of Tiragasi. It's also called Esheter. Nothing is invulnerable to it. And it's mine, Marissa. You understand? You take the girl, and I'll take the knife. Here, darling, let's drink to ourselves. To us, my darling. To us. Mm. I rather think I'll be going alone from now on. Oh, can you get me the knife so quickly? No. I mean, you'll no longer have any use for it. And the... <clears throat> the wine! You... you monstrous female! <laughs> You sea devil! Your greediness always made you vulnerable. Oh, damn you! Damn you! Sir Charles slumps in his chair, struggles for a moment to let the last breath out of his body, as Mrs. Coulter stands up and turns to look directly at the witch. I can see you, and so can the spectres. I... No, please! Your demon has already succumbed. Oh, let him go! Please! Is Lyra with you? And a boy with a knife? Yes. Oh, let my demon go or kill me now. Your witches know about my daughter. You have a name for her. Tell me. She will be mother. She will be life. She will disobey. Name her. Name her. Eve. Mother of all. Eve. What will you do to her? I shall kill her to prevent another fall. I came here to protect her. I have placed her in danger. Yes, you have. Spectres, come to me. Forget you are earthbound. Half an hour away, Lyra is getting ready to sleep. Oh, my feet hurt. I've got great fat blisters. I'm going to get some sleep under that overhanging rock. Come on, Pan. Good night, Will. There's plenty of room for you under here, if you want, Will. It's out of the wind. I'm not tired yet. I thought you were. No, I've woken up a bit. Good night, Lyra. You too, Pan. 
My hand hurts so much. I just feel pain all the time. Will, where are you going? Oh, Utah. I didn't see you there. I can't sleep. I'm... I'm just going a little way up this slope. See if I can tie myself out. My legs feel sort of restless. Be careful, then. If you're not down in 15 minutes, I'll come looking, OK? I'm supposed to be guarding you. OK. In fact, I think I'll follow, just to make sure you're safe. There are 18 witches here guarding Lyra. Perhaps your restlessness isn't entirely without cause. Will makes his way up to a small plateau where the wind pours over the rocks almost as tangibly as water. A full moon rides in a sky scattered with magnificent clouds. Stars appear and vanish. Then, without warning, the moon is swallowed up and Will is left standing in pitch darkness. Oh. Suddenly, someone grabs his arm. I mean no harm. Give me your hand. Please, be careful. I'm hurt. There's... Yes, I know. Two fingers missing. You're the knife bearer. Dear, what are you doing? Dr. Stanislaw Grumman takes a horn pot of ointment from his leather pouch and applies a substantial amount to Will's wounded hand. Curing your wound with blood moss and herbs. Keep still. D who are you? I'm the only man who knows what the knife is for. You have a task that's greater than you could imagine. And you're only a child. How could they let that happen? There is a war coming, boy. The greatest war there ever was. Something like it happened once before, only this time the right side must win. I don't want the knife. The philosophers never realized they'd invented the one weapon in all the universes that could defeat the authority. The rebel angels fell because they didn't have the knife. But now... I hate it, and I hate what it does. You haven't any choice. And what's more, if you don't use it against the authorities' forces, the authorities' forces will tear it from your hands and use it against the rest of us forever and ever. I can't go on fighting. Have you won your fights? Yes. And you fought for the knife? Yes, but I didn't realize. I thought I was just defending myself. Then you're a warrior. Argue with anything else, but don't argue with your own nature. I'm not a warrior. I don't know what I am. There are two great powers, and they've been fighting since time began. Every increase in human freedom has been fought over ferociously between those who want us to know more and be wiser and stronger, and those who want us to obey and submit. Each side wants the knife more than anything else. We've been guided here, you with the knife and me, to tell you about its power. The knife wasn't what I was looking for. But that's what you found. What have I got to do? Go to Lord Azrael. Tell him that Stanislaw Grumman sent you with the one weapon he needs above all others. Ignore everything else. Someone will appear to guide you. The night is full of angels. Your wound will heal. Before you go, let me lift the lantern to your face and see you properly. What were you looking for? My father, John Parry. You're William Parry? Wait. The moon's come out again. The shaman sees his son 
shivering in a torn linen shirt, his eyes so like his mother's. Will Parry sees his father's blazing blue eyes in a haggard face. At that same moment, something flies down from the beautiful sky. John Parry falls back dead, an arrow in his sick heart. His osprey demon vanishes. Will sits stupefied. You killed him. Why did you do that? Why did you kill him? I loved him, and he scorned me. I'm a witch. I don't forgive. Yuta is afraid of Will. He holds more force and danger than she's ever met in a human before. She falls backwards and he grips her hair with his left hand, feeling no pain, feeling only an immense and shattering despair. You don't know who he was. He was my father. No. No. That can't be true. Impossible. You think things have to be possible? Things have to be true. He was my father and neither of us knew it till the moment you killed him which I wait all my life and come all this way, and I find him at last, and then you kill him. What did he do to you? Tell me. Please, you're too young. It won't make any sense to you. I loved him. That's all. That's enough. Now, I shall die. I don't understand. This doesn't make sense. Father, Dad, I don't understand why she killed you. But whatever you wanted me to do, I swear I'll do it. I'll fight. I'll be a warrior. I'll take this knife to Lord Azrael, and I'll help fight the enemy. You can sleep now. Mum said I'd wear your mantle. Not sure what she meant. But I'll wear your cloak with your blood on it. And I'll take your lantern and box of ointment. The air is electric, with whispers and wing beats so close they may be inside Will's head. He looks back once, before turning to go down the mountain. As he reaches the place where Lyra is sleeping, he stops suddenly. He can see two men standing there in the dark, waiting. Will puts his hand to the knife. You are the bearer? Who are you? What are you? We are watchers. Angels. We need you. We have been following the shaman. Now we have come to guide you to Lord Azrael. You were with my father all the time. Why didn't you stop the witch? His task was over. All right, I'll come with you. But first I must wake Lyra. Lyra? Where is she? Lyra! A hollow under the rock is empty. Lyra has gone. But there is something under the overhang where she'd been lying. It is Lyra's little canvas rucksack. And from the weight of it, Will knows without looking that the alethiometer is still inside. Lord Azrael needs you at once. The enemy's power is growing. The shaman has told you what your task is. Come with us. Come. Now. And Will looks from the angels to Lyra's rucksack and back again. Lyra!
In the Subtle Knife by Philip Pullman, dramatized by Lavinia Murray. Lyra was played by Lulu Popperwell. Will by Daniel Anthony. Balthamos by Ray Fearon. And Mrs. Coulter by Emma Fielding. Sir Charles was played by John Carlyle. Dr. Malone by Breege Brennan. Paradisi by Richard Johnson. Walters by Stuart Fox. Mrs. Parry by Joanna Monroe and Mrs. Cooper by Marlene Sidaway. Lee Scoresby was played by Peter Marinka, Hester by Carla Simpson, Stanislaw Grumman by Jack Clough, Serafina Peckler by Tracy Ann Oberman, Kaiser by Simon Donaldson, and Ruta Skadi by Joanna Kanska. Pantaliman was played by Richard Firth, Ozymandias by David Holt, Thorold by Martin Hyder, Lena by Laura Doddington, Utah by Emma Williams, and Tulio by Scott Brooksbank. The Cardinal was played by Ewan Bailey, Paolo by Greg Prentice, Angelica by Victoria O'Donnell, and The Boy by Oliver Cookson. Technical presentation was by Peter Ringrose, Colin Guthrie, Richard Beadsmore, and Mark Wilcox. The music was composed and realized by Billy Cowie. The Subtle Knife was directed by Janet Whittaker for BBC Radio 4 and published by BBC Audio Books. Thank you for listening, and don't forget to join us tomorrow for yet another amazing story.